last two years have brought major disruption for supply chains around the world, including lockdown conditions, bottlenecks, shortages, soaring energy prices and rising inflation. So what can treasurers do to help their businesses navigate these challenges? In a recent Treasury Today webinar, Andrew Blinko, Head of Corporates and Institutions at NatWest Group, and Peter Bolstorff, Executive Vice President Corporate Development at the Association of Supply Chain Management, shared their views on the need for resilience in today's market and the role treasurers should play in helping their companies overcome supply chain disruption. The conversation began with some comments from Andrew Blinko about the impact of disruption and shortages on companies' supply chains. Without any question, you know, businesses of all sizes have faced huge challenges over the last couple of years, and supply chains are, are really facing the brunt of that. Um, you know, the coronavirus pandemic it drastically uh, disrupted and 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 uh, impacted global trade. Obviously, as, as lockdowns spread across regions, and then uh, with with bottlenecks as they built up, as demand sort of roared back in many parts of the economy and and you know a, a, across the world. So. I think the first thing to say, sort of recognise that that sort of broader context, that, you know, sort of semiconductors, a good example, having an a impact on a huge range of sectors from PCs to mobile phones, automotive and, and the like. Those shortages also contributed, one of the contributing factors to a significant spike in inflation, which has in turn sort of created further challenges based in terms of the ability and the prospects of, of passing on costs to, to customers and of course being able to continue to access um, at, uh, at budgeted prices. And then I guess in the UK specifically, the impact of Brexit, uh, I guess something I think we, we talked about a lot more uh, a few years ago, but clearly has further impacted in terms of a broader web of additional sort of rules and, and, and additional hurdles for our customers to deal with. I think resilience is is definitely the sort of the word of the day around how most of our customers are thinking about their supply chain. Peter, how are you seeing different sectors exposed to supply chain disruption? And if so, what impact is this having? I want to double down on Andrew's comment around resilience. So we did a study with the Economist Intelligence Unit uh, a couple of years ago now, just as the pandemic was getting started. And one of the things that we found is that there's really two dimensions to this resilience. There's this operational resilience where you sense the disruption coming and, and, and there's a set of practices and things that you can do to you know, work your way through that disruption. And I think everybody you know, from a leader standpoint and even in the laggards, you know, firefighting and all of those kinds of tools and techniques you know, are being deployed. Our point of view is, and especially relevant to treasury, is how do we start you know, thinking about strategic resilience. How do we take the lessons learned from this most recent disruption and how do we play it forward or bounce it forward so that we can you know, have a playbook on how to deal with disruptions, you know, in the future. And I think that's really where, how do we put in strategic risk management processes that are cross-functional so that, you know, we can, again, deploy playbooks, you know, early on. And the second thing is um, leaders have started investing in digital capabilities probably as early as 2017, 18. And so when we think about that, there were a lot of leaders that were able to deploy digital capabilities as the pandemic set in to be able to sense demand shifts and then actually be able to adjust their supply chain strategy and where they're going to apply cash as the pandemic carried out. So 
leaders are, are investing in digital capabilities. What role can Treasury play in helping companies adapt or even thrive amidst continued supply chain disruption? At the risk of stating the obvious, but I think starting with the foundation of ensuring you've got stable, agile finances and, and a capital structure and source of liquidity that allow you to to deal with the unexpected as, as well as expected, I, I think, in a nutshell. But probably um, if, if I drill down a little bit more and think about, well, in addition to, as I say, building on that prioritising resilience theme, I think there's probably sort of three or four particular characteristics we'd probably call out that I think are earmarks of the most successful uh, cases we've seen. First of all, I'd say really dynamic capital structure management that allows them to move quickly to, to access different sources of funding and, and to have the flexibility to respond quickly. I think that's been been absolutely critical. I think the sort of on the converse, the sort of the tendency sort of, well, if it isn't, if it isn't broke, don't fix it. That that's probably led to more of the challenging sides because clearly the last time you want to be having to fix anything is at a time when you need to be pulling levers and, and, and moving. I think the second bit, funding diversification, we definitely saw through COVID um, customers with access to different sources of, of capital with a breadth of relationships, both into the capital markets, potentially, or banks or different different liquidity providers, definitely helpful. Obviously, allowed them to, to continue to maintain, I say, diversification of funding, to get multiple reads on different market conditions, and then to, and then to draw down for different sources for different uses, and, and to indeed tap into different either types of capital or different providers' expertise in different circumstances. So I think that was, was certainly helpful. Um, probably the most obvious, but important not to overlook really clear communication with partner stakeholders see banks are we're an important part of that but you know throughout the supply chain as well i think uh, you know the clarity around both what's important when stuff needs to be done by and the decisions that, that we're looking for i think we would feel as well that when we respond best you know our aim is always to be really clear and really quick particularly the more stressed the situation is we, we need to be clear we need to be fast in in their response as well and then the fourth and final one is, let's call it a digital first mentality. And I think those that have been highest up the curve in terms of digital adoption, I, I think we certainly saw those able to adapt really quickly or, or probably more quickly to, to big fluctuations in the economic and regulatory landscape. Can you now explain some of the key areas that you identify companies to focus on when addressing how to de-risk their supply chain? When we think about risk management and, and you know, I'll kind of call it strategic resilience. We've got two sides of the supply chain. We've got demand shocks that we have to buffer against and we have supply shocks. So let me talk about demand shocks for just a moment. So when we think about either no business or a run on business, one of the most important things to have is the ability to be able to have flexibility on investing the right inventory in the right spot and being able to have that available. And again, you know, that's all going to be unplanned. And so, you know, so from a cash management standpoint, are there different policies that you can institute relative to, to receivables, order to cash, other investments in, you know, in inventory that you can then position? Because again, loss of revenue, because you don't have the stuff, you know, affects cash, right? I mean, that again, from a supply chain person, uh, we want to continue to remind people that. Lost sales is, is no cash, right? And so, again, how do you, on the front side, understand scenarios around positioning inventory and how can, you know, the Treasury be a part of that input and decision-making so that a plan or a playbook thing can be put in place? So, as opposed to just 
here shutting inventory off, right? So on the supply side, I think a lot of the leaders have really focused on this idea around agility. And I think Andrew pointed out, you know, the agility and flexibility within the treasury itself. But when we think about the supply chain, if I'm sole sourced on a low cost provider in a region that now has on lockdown or quarantine and I can't get product out, again, that's going to affect the revenue side of the equation, like, uh, no cash in. And so the idea here is being open and, and willing to pay a little bit more for a more diverse supply base that would allow a geographic specific response to disruptive. And again, from a unit cost standpoint, it may cost you a little bit more per unit, but the idea is now I have another form of insurance against supply shock or those kinds of things. Andrew, do you think this world of shortages is, is here to stay? Yes, it's here to stay, certainly for 2022 and, and into probably into 2023. And as, as we said, you know, the world unfortunately continues to be uh, an unstable and difficult place at times. So none of that is, is going to accelerate a, a return to to removing some of those shortages. Uh, and I think probably to look at four or five sort of particular sectors, I think commodities, and again, at risk of stating the obvious, rise in demand post-COVID have in some areas materially outstripped supply, um, whilst resource-producing countries have probably been, you know, Latin Africa, parts of the Middle East, have been those that have been in some cases probably slower coming out of COVID than the larger consumers. So creates and exacerbates that, that imbalance to a degree. Hopefully that continues to, to ease, particularly as vaccination rates uh, increase across the globe. And we see hopefully COVID become consequently less of a material impact. I think energy specifically, you know, it's, it's clearly hugely topical at the moment. And you know, obviously the, the ongoing crisis in Ukraine clearly adds to that uncertainty. But I think the sort of oil and gas prices remain at extremely elevated levels. And you know, that's, uh, again, sort of hugely prominent at the moment. How important do you think... It is for Treasury and the procurement function within an organization to, to engage and really work hand in glove. I think risk management is cross-functional and it has to start at the top. And I think if nothing has taught us, it's it's a disruption can cause massive, uh, massive problems, you know, as it relates to your shareholders. And I think what we've learned is when we think about the supply chain. And how do I plan, source, make, deliver, and return basic goods that are going to generate revenue? There are cash investments, and there's a cash cycle time that's involved in that one. And I think we have to work together with finance and treasury to make sure that, that, that we understand how we're investing those dollars and that there are expectations around what the return on those dollars are, whether it's capacity, new technology, inventory, um, I think that has to be a collective organizational decision because it's not just supply chain. It's a business conversation in terms of aligning around your go-to-market strategy and how your supply chain is going to enable that. Many thanks to Andrew Blinko from NatWest Group and Peter Volstoff from the Association of Supply Chain Management for sharing their views on this important topic. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode brought to you by Treasury Today and NatWest Group. Don't forget to subscribe so you can keep an eye out for new episodes wherever you get your podcasts.